This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the public affairs show known as The Adam Ritz Show. And I'm the uh, public affairs host known as Adam Ritz. So Jay Baker's joining me on the phone. Glad you're here, Jay. How are you? And I'm the lovable uh, public affairs uh, guy known as Jay Baker. And playing the role of Jay Baker is Jay Baker. So the NFL Man of the Year is something that uh, I've always loved. Uh, Every single year, the NFL highlights uh, one player from each team and uh, who, who's done just extraordinary work in their community. Um, and while they do say it's for a player for both their work on and off the field, let's be serious, it's for their work off the field and how much they uh, provide uh, to their community uh, through humanitarian efforts. And it, it's just a fun thing that they always uh, announce the winner, maybe near or before the Super Bowl. Uh, this year, there's uh, sort of an interactive thing going on with the NFL website. It's the NFL Man of the Year Charity Challenge, where fans can vote for their favorite player, and that player's charity will win $35,000 from the NFL and uh, Nationwide, the corporate sponsor of uh, the Man of the Year. So how cool is that, Jay? you got to get on NFL.com and vote for somebody. Oh, I definitely will, and it is nice to see – uh, the NFL, which has such clout, be able to help uh, literally, you know, not only the their players, but the community. And I, I, I'm really impressed when they do this. Well, some of the um, charities that uh, are being helped through these uh, NFL players and the Man of the Year Challenge uh, empower youth to lead healthy lifestyles, supporting veterans, and bringing awareness to uh, other closes, uh, I'm sorry, causes that are close to these uh, players' hearts, uh, education, um, you know, uh, fatherhood. A lot of great causes are included in all 32 nominees uh, this year. Uh, just a little background on the Man of the Year Award. It's actually called the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award because Walter. Uh, I, I guess I should call him Mr. Payton. Was I, I wish I knew him. I wish I knew him well <laughs> enough to call him Walt. Uh, boy, I had the Walter Payton poster on my wall when I was a kid. Just one of the best running backs in the history of the league. And uh, he, you know, exhibited uh, greatness. In fact, his nickname was was great. Wasn't it greatness? Well, it was sweetness. I'm sorry. Uh, sweetness. Sweetness was go. his nickname. But he he exhibited sweetness off the field as well. And that's why the uh, award is his namesake, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. It's the league's most prestigious honor acknowledges NFL players who demonstrate a passion for creating a lasting positive impact beyond the game. Uh, Each team nominates a player. Sometimes they're uh, super well-known. For example, the Kansas City Chiefs nominee this year is uh, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, But if you look at uh, the Atlanta Falcons nominee, it's Bradley Pinion. I don't know him. Do you know Bradley Pinion? I do not. And it kind of, as we get older, we realize it's harder to keep up with all the NFL names like we used to when we were in our 30s, you know? Yeah, and not all 22 starters for each team are major stars like Patrick Mahomes. 
but Bradley Pinion, I, I would guess, is probably a defensive lineman, somebody uh, in the trenches, maybe doesn't get the recognition uh, on camera as as the quarterback or a wide receiver or the running back. But uh, Bradley Pinion's charity in Atlanta certainly is getting help, and that's why he's nominated uh, for the Atlanta Falcons franchise. So there's 32 uh, nominees that uh, will receive recognition. All 32 will receive recognition the week of the Super Bowl. Uh, each nominee receives $55,000 from the NFL Foundation and Nationwide for their charity. Uh, and then the winner, who will be announced during a special primetime awards show on CBS on Thursday, February 8th, will receive $250,000 for their charity and a nice little trophy to put on their mantle. So... The $35,000 that, that the fans are controlling here with the vote, a fan vote for the Man of the Year Charity Challenge, that uh, is decided by you, Jay. You've got to go to NFL.com. Um, there's a bunch of slashes I won't bore you with, but you'll be able to easily find it through NFL.com. And you can vote on your favorite player, favorite charity, and the one with the most votes from the fans will receive an extra $35,000 from the NFL Foundation and Nationwide. Well, it is impressive what players can do by using their name to help the greater good of the community. Uh, one of our broadcasters is in Indianapolis, and there is a Walter Payton uh, wing to the Children's Hospital. So obviously, or, or not Walter Payton. Uh, he, you were half right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Payton Manning. Payton Manning. Wing. Holy cow. All these names. Don't throw football names at me. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> now I have egg on my face for sure. But uh, it just shows you that we're the Peyton Manning name. And he played, obviously, the bulk of his career in Indianapolis. And, you know, you talk about taking your name for the greater good. I mean, it's impressive what can be done. You know, in the late 70s, there were a lot of kids born in Chicago named Walter because of Walter Payton. Uh, same thing in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, where Peyton Manning went to yes. college, Denver, Colorado, and Indianapolis, Indiana. There are a lot of kids running around named Peyton. Uh, and you just tipped me off to a great idea. Why not? If your last name is Ma is uh, Manning, you have to name your son Walter, middle name Peyton. Walter Peyton Manning. <laughs> how? In, but then the question is, how do you spell Peyton? Because Walter Peyton is spelled, the Peyton of Walter is spelled differently than the Peyton of Manning. That's the question. Oh, now I'm confused. Absolutely. And I have a hard enough time spelling. <laughs> hey, you know, I can't remember whether we talked about this last week or not, and I apologize. But the reason why I'm bringing it up potentially again is I had so many people approach me about this story. Uh, and so I must have said it somewhere. You know how memory is so selective, but... The yeah. word I'm bringing up is coffee badging. Did we talk about that last week? We, we did not, but I'm so glad you brought that up because I did see that online this week. And I just, yes. But I just saw the term. I didn't really click on it and find out what it is. So I can't wait to find out what it is. Well, I must have talked about it in my social circle because I had more than one person come up to me later in the week and say, hey, I've been hearing this thing about coffee badging, and it's absolutely fascinating. And basically what it is is some employees are being called back to the office and some people are still working at home. You sometimes have these split offices. Coffee badging is where you badge into your office with your ID like you do, 
and then you get a cup of coffee. Then you wander around till you're noticed by <laughs> several employees. Maybe you have a second cup of coffee. We're not sure, but you wander around for a while so that a significant number of people have seen, hey, Joe made it to the office. Then what you do is you ghost the job and go home and work from home. Now, it doesn't mean that your productivity is guaranteed to be lower. It's just sort of showing your office, hey, you know, I know you want me in there, but yeah, I, I kind of like working from home and or I may take a nap this afternoon. So that's what coffee badging is. That is interesting. And you know what? I've, I've done that. I, uh, but, you know, I, I've done half of that. I, when I get to the office, I get a coffee and I'll walk around and talk to everybody. But it's just more of a social thing for me. But it, right. the second half of coffee badging is where you leave the office and go home. I don't do that. I don't. I don't bail. <laughs> I, then I just go to my office and start working. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily saying it's nefarious, but this came with a survey. The company that uh, sort of coined the phrase "coffee badging" uh, was doing some in-office research themselves to sort of find out where their workers are. And their survey of workers found that. Uh, about one in five workers want to be in the office full time with 37% wanting hybrid work options, meaning that you go back and forth between the office and home and 41% prefer to just be fully remote. Yeah. So that's kind of how that, 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 that's sort of the new spread. You know, if you wanted to sort of test the temperature of, do people want to be back in the office? Yes or no. And it's sort of a, a hiring perk when you're hiring new employees. They kind of want to know. They want to know their salary. They want to know the vacation policy. They want to know their benefits. And they want to know how many days a week they can work from home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably moving forward to be able to offer that option is probably not a bad idea. You and I know that a lot of it depends on what kind of work you do. There's probably some work, quite frankly, that can be accomplished just fine uh, in a remote location, your home, or even while you're on vacation or on a trip. Mm -hmm. But for some places, they love the synergy of the office, especially if you're in a field that has some creativity. Uh, you and I have always been in environments where uh, you may have a creative spark of an idea or you're in an environment where ideas keep coming up. I think it's always great to have those sounding boards and additional people to sort of help that process along. It is uh, very helpful. I agree with that. So it just sort of depends, I guess, on exactly what your office does and how you accomplish your tasks. But anyway, the last little bit of the survey, actually kind of hilarious. More than half of hybrid workers are coffee badging. <laughs> so coffee badging is a thing. It is happening. Another, this is the funny part, another 8% said they haven't done it yet, but they'd like to try it. They plan on trying it. It seems like a waste of gas to me to just to drive into work to be seen, have a cup of coffee, and then drive back home to start working. That's a waste yeah. of gas. Waste well, of time. I think it is too, but I think some places, you know, may have sort of put their foot down. I know uh, tentatively uh, in our office, they had initially said, hey, everybody absolutely has to come back. And you and I had discussed this on the Adam Ridge show. Uh, that it really was a real estate issue for these employers. 
Uh, everybody wants to have a great office, plenty of parking in a spot in town where you can get great lunches and it's safe to walk everywhere and everything around you is just a perk to the job. But you and I know that those buildings aren't free mm -hmm. and your employer is paying rent or tax payments or whatever for you to be there. I would suggest if you're going to try coffee badging and you badge into work, you get your coffee, you walk around to be seen, uh, before you leave to go back home to work from home, stop in the break room because there might be a, a box of donuts. There might be some some free tacos. You never know what's in the break room. So you don't want to go all the way to work and then come home and find out there was some incredible cookies brought in uh, that are on the, the break room table. Yeah, if you're going to coffee badge, you want to make sure that you get your money's worth out of it. I prefer to donut badge. I'm going to try donut badging. Donut badging. That's funny. <laughs> well, this is the time of year that you might have gotten a gift card or two during the holidays. And Americans are expected to spend nearly $30 billion on gift cards this holiday season. Yes. Now, obviously, for everybody, holiday season's got to pass. But, yes, uh, apparently, uh, Americans spent $30 billion dollars on gift cards this year that according to the national retail federation restaurant gift cards are the most popular making up a third of those sales that's believable because i did that we, we got a lot of people restaurant gift cards this holiday season yeah and i think part of the incentive and see if this uh was part of what your thought process was many times if you buy gift cards uh, the retailer or restaurant will give you some gift cards just for buying gift cards. Is that Was that part of your uh, thing? I have certainly done that in the past. Uh, it did not occur this time. Uh, ah. I, and I do know there's some uh, box stores that sell, they'll sell like $100 worth of gift cards for $75. So right. you're getting like a free $25 off the price of the gift card. So of course... Uh, I don't think I did that either this year. I think I just bought I bought full price gift cards just to get it out of the way. They were it, it's a very easy way to you're walking through the grocery store or even your pharmacy and there's a gift card station, gift card station. You can just grab 3 or 4 of them and you're done with four people right then and there. Yeah, and I think most people are more than happy to get something like that because it does allow you to purchase whatever you want when you want so mm -hmm. i think most people love that flexibility now of all those gift cards that were sold 30 billion dollars worth most of them will be redeemed i'd always wondered like what the exact figures are but they are saying uh, according to patronics which is a company that tracks restaurant gift cards they say that about 70 percent of gift cards uh, will be redeemed and will be redeemed within six months. And 30% go unused? 30% do go unused. And here's some kind of cool stuff. Under a federal law that went into effect in 2010, a gift card can't expire for five years from the time it was purchased. That is a so, great law. Yeah. So you, you stick the thing in your drawer thinking, well, I may get this later and of course then it may be covered up by other clothing and you completely forget about it but it usually won't expire for at least five years and some states 
have even expanded that five-year window so that many retailers don't even bother to put uh, any kind of expiration date on their gift cards. Yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. I always thought when when gift cards, uh, gift certificates really back in the day when, when those were popular, uh, how dare they put an expiration date on there? I mean, someone yeah. is purchasing it with, with money. They're purchasing a product that product should be able to be redeemable whenever the user wants to redeem it. I, I don't. I didn't. I never agreed with that expiration. So um, that's super. I did not know that 2010 was when the federal law came into place to make uh, it mandatory that all gift cards have to be good for at least five years. That's good to know. I I have gift card. I'm part of that 30. percent I have to admit that doesn't use the gift card sometimes because, like you said, it ends up in my desk drawer underneath a bunch of old checks or invoices or all of a sudden i find a gift card to a restaurant that closed two years ago <laughs> yes well that gets to the last part of our story experts that are in the gift card business say that you really should go ahead and spend it sometime in the very near future they're saying that some cards especially generic cash cards from visa or mastercard will actually start accruing inactivity fees if they're not mm. used for a year. That is something to think about for sure. So that'll eat away part of their value. And then, point being, inflation also makes cards less valuable over time. Mm -hmm. And if a retail store closes or goes bankrupt, a gift card could end up being worthless. That has happened to me, for sure. And that 30% number just... It jumps out at me because that that in other words the restaurant in, in, industry knows and is counting on this almost i don't want to say scam but they're they're making 30 percent more profits because they know they don't yes. have to they don't have to make 30 percent of the food that should be consumed that's already been paid for yes according to the wall street journal the number one restaurant card that gets exchanged during the holidays is Starbucks. And last year, Starbucks made an astonishing amount of profit just based on the amount of cards it sold versus cards redeemed. Yeah, that, that's it is the easiest thing to do. Everybody drinks coffee. If you don't like coffee, everybody drinks a, a foo-foo drink, as uh, we call them, uh, some whipped cream and sprinkles on top. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't want yeah. that? And the minute they put out pumpkin spice latte, you know, we've we've talked about it. The lines start forming. That is a public affairs issue when it's public <laughs> when it's pumpkin spice latte season. It's pump. It's public. Affairs pumpkin spice season. That's what we and call that's it. That's why I always come out and do a lot of research just to make <laughs> sure that it's the pumpkin is as pumpkin-y as it was last year. Though I did notice this year the pumpkin spice latte kind of left the lineup kind of early. So I'm wondering if even Starbucks goes, okay, enough already. <laughs> you think pumpkin spice jumped the shark? It's kind of sad. Enough of this pumpkin nonsense. Well, uh, here's an interesting note. You probably have been hearing about it a little bit in the news. For some people, slightly controversial, but it is what it is. Higher minimum wages will go into effect on January 1st across 22 states, giving an economic boost to almost 10 million workers. That's great news for those 10 million people. 
Well, I think so. You know, minimum wage is a deal uh, and of interest when you look at uh, minimum wage in general. Do you know what the federal minimum wage is, Adam? Like, in other words, all the states can set their minimum wage at the minimum or higher, but the federal minimum wage hasn't budged since 2009. Do you know what that number is? I would not have guessed that it's been that long since they've changed or bumped up the federal minimum wage. I'm going to guess it's about $8.85. That's not a bad guess at all. It's remained at $7.25 an hour. That is amazing because now, you've just been hearing for for decades, uh, it seems, about, you know, at the minimum, you want to get a $10 an hour job. Yes. Well, and there's a lot to be said. You know, we laugh a little bit when people talk about, well, that's blah, blah, blah length of time or uh, 62 years in dog years. Ha, ha, ha. Or, you know, uh, somebody made a purchase during World War II uh, for $10 million, and that would actually be $32 million today. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, since 2009, inflation has jumped 40% since 2009. So that 725 figure, while well-meaning, is a very anemic performer when you compare it to the overall economy. Totally understand that. Yeah, nine, I'm sorry, $7 in 2009 was worth $7. Today, that same $7 is what, $4.50? Possibly, yeah. Now, uh, the increase will boost the baseline pay to at least $16 an hour in three states, California, New York, and Washington. Uh, the higher minimum wages are coming at a time when workers are still struggling with higher costs due to inflation. But here's the good news in in this story. Inflation is easing just a little bit after hitting a 40-year high in 2022. Well, good. That's great news for everybody. Um, Here's here's something about that minimum wage going up that I often think about. You know, once once it starts, uh, let's just say that in one of those three states where it goes up to $16 an hour, there are professions and vocations that take education and certifications that pay about $20 an hour. How, how many of those jobs are the employees going to say, you know what, why would I go into debt to get certified and educated to go make 20 bucks an hour right. when I can go start anywhere at 16 bucks an hour? So I want to know how that new minimum wage is going to affect those other industries, both the the education to get certified and the actual industry itself that are looking for workers now that don't want to work there because they can go make almost as much somewhere else. Well, you're absolutely correct. And anybody that's taking or is aware of just sort of economic principles know that uh, there are many positive things for setting a higher minimum wage. And there are some potentially negative things, and it all depends on how the economy performs. If the businesses can afford to have the workers, then you've done the workers a great service because you've increased their buying power. With their buying power increased, it just helps the economy overall. The flip side of that is, as you said, what happens if you can't afford the workers or you can't attract workers because they're going to go into a different field? 
it, there's a lot of unintended consequences that that can happen negatively with yeah. this situation and and like the larger uh companies larger chains um if if they have to pay more for minimum wage they have the accountants and the engineers that can sit down with a spreadsheet and see that it may be more cost effective for them to invest five million dollars into ai and robotics in in screens that can do the job of what used to be a minimum wage human being. And over the course of 10 years, they may save money. So th- this is obviously, that's worst case scenario. You're gonna get rid of your hum- human workers to have uh, robots do it. But uh, how many times have you walked into a, a lobby of a, of a fast food restaurant, Jay, recently, and there's been no nobody at the desk, nobody right. at the counter. And there's a screen there for you to make your order. Um, I, I don't like this new world where you can't complain to somebody that there's that there's onion on your burger when you said you didn't want onion. <laughs> I like the fact that your takeaway from all this is there's nobody to complain to. I don't. I hear what you're saying. Higher minimum wage means less people, more robots and no one I can complain to. <laughs> uh, well, as I said, it, it really is. Uh, something that, you know, that I think is a highly discussable uh, thing. And uh, it may or may not have unintended consequence. As you said, I think when these things happen, I always, I wouldn't use the word enjoy, but I'm very interested to see how it all works out at the end so far as employment and uh, the profitability of, of different businesses. Uh, I think it's just I think it's just a fascinating part of economics. It, it is fascinating, and I mean, one thing that will happen guaranteed is prices will go up. Uh, no employer, unfortunately, uh, yes. is, is forced to pay their uh, minimum wage employees more money without going to their menu and raising prices on on the offerings. That will just happen guaranteed so if well I if think inflation's getting you right now uh look forward to higher prices at your favorite restaurant when minimum wage goes up yeah there has been a bit of a fallout in that the fast food business has really had to increase prices uh that was a topic that came up not too long ago that used to be you could uh, slide through your friendly drive through bing bang boom spend about four bucks put a big smile on your face well, that four bucks has become seven dollars and eighty-five cents in many places. So, there you go. But to be honest, Jay, I would happily spend uh, as much as they charge <laughs> to get a big bag of cheeseburgers and French fries. Count me in. Okay, there we got go. about uh, two minutes left here, Jay. Well, it's always moderation, as we said. You know, that's the sad part. And yeah. I miss my fast food, but <laughs> yes, you're supposed to have it in moderation. Hey, super quick, we'll finish up. I thought this was pretty hilarious. You know how you have to tell those polite white lies to your kids during the holidays, you know, when they go, why is there a Santa on every street corner and all the rest of that? Well, there is a parenting site that asks parents to share their go-to holiday white lies, and there's a few on here that are very entertaining. We'll get to a few as we close out the show. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Dad is allergic to elf glitter. So Santa can't send an elf on the shelf to our house. <laughs> I love that one because I would. I'm so glad my kids are grown up and I don't have to do that elf on the shelf. <laughs> the elf on the shelf. Here's a good one. I thought about this one. I thought, why didn't I think of this? 
Santa doesn't bring big things or live pets because they're unsafe while being traveled in the sleigh. If I was five years old, I would believe that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, How about this one? My kids are only allowed to ask Santa for three things because Santa is old and can't carry more than that for all those kids. (laughs) It is a small sleigh. Uh, there's the, even the most reasonable five-year-old would agree with that one. I like this one. We changed our friend's name to Santa in my phone, and then he changed his picture. So we phoned him for a very convincing chat about our child's behavior. Oh, that's a great one. That it's has Santa. to go viral. More parents yes, need Santa. to do that. Uh, how about this one? Uh, Santa is running late and needs all the kids to sleep in an extra hour. <laughs> That's the way to keep your kids from waking you up at oh dark 30. I love that one. Uh, had you seen, uh, my brother-in-law told me about this one, there was uh, a sort of a viral thing happening where parents would, um, they'd bust for their kids that were misbehaving. They would film like the dad would dress up as the Grinch. And he would run in through the front door, just bust in, and he'd grab the Christmas tree, like reach in, grab the trunk, still plugged in, all the ornaments, and he would just yank it out out of the living room, go back out the front door and leave. Just like the Grinch when the the Grinch stole Christmas. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That is too funny. I got to find one of those videos. All right, Jay, it's been a wonderful year. Thank you for your contributions to the public affairs Uh, industry. Uh, We'll see you all uh, in the coming year. Have a great weekend, a great new year, and, uh, and we look forward to 2024. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out of Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com. 